Hey, Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor JP here. Hey, we're so glad that you're joining with us on our podcast today. I pray today that this message stirs your faith, that it builds you up, that it draws you closer to the Father's heart, and ultimately that you just feel the embrace of heaven. We would love to stay connected with you and you to stay connected with us. So please feel free to check us out on our website, oasischurchchicago.com, or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Also, you can be sure to join with us on our live stream on our YouTube page every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Now here's today's message. Good morning. It's so good uh, to be here. It's so actually really moving to be here, be back in Chicago. And uh, some of our folks have have come to, because we're here. Yay! So beautiful. And it's so beautiful to see what God's doing uh, in the city. We loved Chicago uh, when we were here, and we still love it. Uh, We do love San Diego, though. (laughs) Open invitation. (laughs) Um, but I did feel like the Lord stirred something in me as we were worshiping. And uh, so I'm someone, one of those weird people who look for patterns and look for the, what's God doing. If, you know, even numbers, there's stuff that happens. I know it's a little weird, but I do. I pay uh, attention to details and because uh, God is very strategic. And I just felt uh, to encourage you guys. So... JP had said it was seven years last week. And when he said that, I'm like, that's completion. Like there is a foundation, but a door has closed and the Lord is opening up new things for you guys. That is not insignificant. And and the other piece I felt was you are in a school of hope. You guys, uh, it's not a coincidence you're meeting in a place, a school of hope. And I feel like that is a call on you as a church. You're to be a school of hope, a people who school people, equip people in hope. And, uh, and one last thing, uh, I, I, was, I was reading in Samuel this week, First uh, Samuel 9 and 10, and it's it's quite funny, actually, because Saul gets taken off guard. He goes to look for lost donkeys and becomes a king. He's not looking to be a king. He's not looking for a platform, a ministry. But because of God's response to the cry of the people, he chose Saul, who was the best in the land. And, uh, and I, you know, you are here, you're here coming to church and it's brilliant. And, uh, you know, you're just coming Sunday morning, I go to church, it's great. You're going to church and God wants to anoint you for, for greatness. He wants to anoint you with courage and a release of impartation. Because if you are the people that God has chosen to bring hope and a residue of hope in Chicago, which it really needs, you're going to need courage and you're going to need boldness. And um, (laughs) But I just think that's funny that he was out looking for donkeys and God had plans for his life. He had already told the prophet Samuel, this is who you're going to, I want you to go and anoint him. And Saul being totally oblivious because he was just out looking for donkeys, lost donkeys. And became keen. And so I, I, it, it's that sense, like God is very strategic. You're here because God has you here. You're here for a purpose. You're here to be part of a body. You're here because God is about to 
release you into something more. And then, you know, Saul comes into the school of the prophets and God, it says this phrase, God changed his heart. And, and, the, and Samuel said, the spirit of the Lord will rush upon you when you meet the prophets, because prophets are wild. They're so fun. I love prophets. I have one of my prophets here. She's amazing. And uh, so I know prophetic has got a, a rough name at times, but when we're moving in joy, in righteousness, in peace, and in boldness, and in uh, the goodness of God and the, the faithfulness of God, when people come into our atmosphere as a people of the presence, as a people of the spirit, they, their hearts will be turned. So I just want to pray that over you guys as a school of hope. So Father, right now we just thank you for seven years of completion. Thank you for foundations laid. Thank you, Lord, for the yes in the hearts of these leaders and Father, I just pray that as they move forward, as they, they walk into the call that is on this house, uh, that, that you will, your spirit will rush upon them, will move them and turn their hearts because you uh, are asking it for their yes because of the cry of this city, because of the cry of people in this city. Uh, it's, it's about you loving this city and doing it through this people. And so we bless them and may they be strong and very courageous. Amen. <laughs> so as you may have realized we do not have an accent. <laughs> we speak the Queen or not a King's English. So, um, yeah, wow. Lots of things going on in my head, but that was great. So, yes, if you struggle with anything that we say, uh, just ask someone who's been around us. Ask Julian Carlos or someone like that. What did, what's he talking about? Uh, I do know that there are some trigger words. So, if I talk about you know, Hebrews 11, and we talk about faith. That in my language, it is two syllables, whereas I know in American, it's got faith. It's just one. Um, so, so, yeah, that will help you translate a little bit. We actually came over to be interviewed uh, in early 2001 f to be the youth pastor at a vineyard church in Oak Park. And we stayed there for 19 years. And um, I was talking about, you know, my heart for the poor. And they thought it was, I was making like cat noises. <laughs> like it was purr, heart for the purr. And uh, it was not, it was the poor, right? P-O-O-R. I don't even know how you say it in an American accent. But so I've, I'm, I'm used to seeing the blank stares from people going, what? Uh, but if I miss, and I'll try to correct it, but if I miss any, then please just put your hand up and say, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> the other thing I would help you, or the other thing I would ask from me is that you would understand that I'm a terribly insecure person. You probably feel that already from me. My goodness, he's so insecure. <laughs> um, and as a result, what I need from you is I, I need your help. 
So when I'm preaching, I, I like your help. Is that okay? Yes. Like, that's perfect, right? You know? And, like, if I'm bombing, like, if I start to bomb, just someone shout out, help him, Jesus. <laughs> All right? Like, that's okay. But, I, but I, do, I do love the fact that we are a fellowship. You know that we're all in the same boat. I, I know society and everybody's trying to tell us that we're all so different, that we're not actually experiencing the same things together. But honestly, life is life. Uh, we are not American. We are, we are called to save your souls. We are here as missionaries to help you, help you, you know, get redeemed. That's the call of God in our life. Imagine God having to send missionaries from Ireland. You're that bad. Yeah, just to be clear. <laughs> You're that bad at standing on this. So, but yeah, I, I want to I wanna like share some stuff this morning. And I, and I want to give you a context for where I think we're at. So we, we run with a, a crowd of folks from Northern California uh, who are from Bethel Church in Reading. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Bethel or Bethel Music or whatever, but we, we have the privilege of running with those guys. They are our covering. If you feel weird about covering, that's okay. You, I give you permission to feel weird. Um, but they, they kind of provide our spiritual backing, if you want. And we have the privilege of ministering throughout the U.S. and going to different churches and trying to really just... Give courage, to encourage people. You know, I, I think part of our mission is to, you know, encourage the hell out of people, literally. Like, I'm not just saying that to be cute, and because when I swear with an Irish accent, it's not so bad. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not, I'm not swearing. Uh, our job, our mission, should you choose to accept it, accept it is to encourage the hell out of people. And we don't do that by mimicking them. So we, we, have, we have to be different, you know? So, so that, we have the privilege of being able to do that. But I want to give you some sort of context. In early 2020, um, I, I was on, you know, I think lockdown had just happened and I was on this call with some leaders in the body and they're like, you know, God is just releasing his angels, and I'm one of these weird angel guys. Um, and, and I'm like, that's not what I'm experiencing. In fact, for the last couple of months, what I've been experiencing is actually God calling the angelic back to base. Now, I served in the police in Northern Ireland for 16 years during the height of the conflict. We were a paramilitary police force. And I know what it's like when, you, when you're about to get fresh orders, you return to base. So sometimes God speaks to you in a language that you understand. Isn't that really helpful? Like numbers. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's like, I, I have a numbers story. But, what? Just throw you under the bus. It's 11, 11. Oh my goodness, God's speaking right now. <laughs> you know, that sort of numbers. I have, I have number stories. Anyway. So sometimes God just uses the language that you're used to. So I, what, I, what I experienced was, was, was the angelic being returned to base because they were getting new orders. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be incredible. March 2020. Not so much. 
right? Just not so much. And like, well, God, what, what, what's happening? What's, God, what are you doing? And I, I don't know. Here's, here's one, some of the things I think it's really important for us as kingdom people to remember. That first of all, is God is not looking for puppies. He's looking for warriors. Like he's not looking for people that are just going to be like, how are you doing today? Oh, I don't know how I'm doing today. He's not looking for people like that. He's looking for people that want to fight a battle. Actually want to win stuff. He's looking for people that want to win. Right? Not necessarily that we're all going to be winners and that there's not, we're not going to suffer. We're not going to go through hard times. But he's actually looking for people that want to live for something beyond themselves and their own needs. And, and here you have an enemy sort of realizing that God's going to do something on the earth. And of course, the immediacy of God could mean like 50 years. Awesome. But it could be that sort of imminent, like there's this sort of imminent sense that God is about to do something in 2020. And what happens is the enemy does what he always does, and that he moves in reaction to what heaven is doing. Whereas we think the church should be moving in reaction to what the enemy's doing. That's not our job. Our job is to... I was going to say something. But our, our job is to, you know, kick the devil in the nether regions, if you want me to, if I can put it like that, with, with a friend. And that's kind of, I'm Irish. Just forgive him, Jesus, right? It's fine. Uh, but that's kind of our job. Our job is to win. Our job is to take territory. They overcame by, by the blood of the Lamb and the Word. They didn't sit back and say, well, that was a rough couple of years. How are you feeling? How are we all feeling after those? And I'm not saying like suppress your feelings. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that we have to understand that we're here for a purpose. And one of the things that God is doing is he's shifting the church Certainly our little corner of the church, you know, the non-denominational, charismatic, evangelical. He's shifting that church away from like the pastorate, the normal pastorate. It's like, how are you all feeling today? How's your week been? How can I pray for your family? Shifting it away from that to saying, actually, you've got a purpose that's beyond that. Like you have a call on your life. And until you're walking in the call of God in your life, well, we're not going to see the kingdom come. We're not going to see the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ just by behaving like everybody else. And the enemy, the, the risk is that we, that we live in response or reaction to the enemy. No, listen, Jesus, Jesus, said, Jesus said this. I mean, I would love to go into this in great detail, but we'll be here until Wednesday if I do. But Jesus said this, you know, he took... He took the youth group. He, he had a youth group, right? The disciples were his youth group, right? John was maybe 16. So there's his Jesus. Too. Like, I remember I was a youth pastor, and if we wanted to see like a PG movie, we had to get parental permission, right? So, because that's what you do. You take responsibility. There's an R movie, well, you know, you have to be only taking certain and you have to get parental permission because that's what you do because this is where we live. Well, Jesus took them to this place called the Gates of Hell. <laughs> it's called the Gates of Hell, right? That's what it was called. There are a number of these places of Gates of Hell. There are actually a number of them in Ireland. We have a different name for them, but it's basically the portal 
what is seen as the portal between the underworld and the regular world. And there's all these sacrifices going on. There's all these debased things that are happening. Um, I won't go into them, but like you think the worst, this is happening at these gates of hell, particularly around fertility. And Jesus takes the youth group there. I would love to see that parental permission form. <laughs> is it okay if we, you know, like what does that look like? And Jesus is standing there and says, okay, in the middle, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of the deepest, darkest sin you can imagine, Jesus says this, I will build my church. He didn't say, I will build my political party. Sorry. Like Acts 2 was not the coming of the Holy Spirit on, on the Pentagon or on the White House or any of that. That's not what it was for. You see, the, the thing is that there's this saying that gripped me, in it, which, which is, if Jesus is God, then Caesar isn't. Now that'll get you crucified back in that, those days. That'll get you burnt in, in Nero's driveway. But if, if Jesus is God, then Caesar isn't. There isn't like an alternative to the church. There, I'm sorry, look, listen, look around at each other. Look around at each other. Yes, you're it. You're kind of it. I know, it could be disappointing if you're looking at it. I know, I get it. But you're it. There's not an alternative. It's not like, you know, well, what we need is we need another ministry. We need to establish another ministry called Building Contenders. That's our ministry. Right? We need to establish that, and that's how, you know, the kingdoms of this earth will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. No, we don't need another political party. We don't actually need to throw all our weight behind any political system. I know, he's foreign. He doesn't understand that we have the best system in the world. All right, 1776. We all know how scripture talks about rebellion. It says witchcraft. <laughs> Listen, if you want to repent, if you want to repent and come back to the king, it's fine. I can make a call. <laughs> I know people who know people. Right? This is God did Jesus didn't establish a political system. He established this. Right, so if this is it, if this is the hope of the world, if the local church is the hope of the world, how would you stop that? You'd actually make us afraid of each other. You'd make us like scared of each other. You'd make us like, you hit me because I'm X. We'd, we'd introduce all this division and sectarianism. We're from Northern Ireland. We kill each other because we're the wrong form of Christianity. We understand sectarianism. We understand what it's like when you're just not the right sort of X. And we bring in division and we cripple the effectiveness of the church. This is our context. This, this is where we're at. Like, don't, don't be under any illusion that this is about left or right or center or anything like that or freedom or just, it's got nothing to do with that. It's about polluting the body of Christ. But the great thing is that it's done in reaction to what God is doing. We can't lose sight of what God is doing. Like it's the gates of hell. Right? 
The gates of hell shall not prevail. It's not like the vanguard of hell. I've never seen anybody, in, in all my life, I've never seen anybody running down the streets, running away from gates. The gates are chasing me, oh no. It doesn't work like that. Gates are a defensive structure. The enemy is on the defense. He is not on the offense. It might look like it, but he is on the defense. We are the offensive ones. And I don't mean like go and be offensive. That doesn't help. Right? The fact that we're called to speak the truth doesn't actually eradicate the fact that we're going to have to do it in love and that we're still supposed to be kind and gentle and meek. This is the context of where we're at. And one of the things that I don't know if you've noticed this, one, one of the things that we have not been able, like one of the things we must do, I think that God is actually like poking at, at me and probably poking at you is you got to deal with your disappointment. I know. You have to deal with your disappointment. Otherwise, you're going to be bringing that. It'll be like dragging like that dead body around with you. What's that movie called? Bernie's? What is it? Something like that. You're going to be dragging that dead body around with you, sort of pretending that it's still alive and instead of saying, no, no, this, I'm disappointed. This, this didn't happen the way I thought it would happen, and, and it's okay, and I have to deal with that. Like, I don't really understand why that happened, but I understand that you're good. I don't really understand this, but I know that you're good. I don't really know why, that, why I lost that friend, why I lost that relationship, why this person died, why... I don't understand that, but I know that you're good. We have to be able to deal with that disappointment because one of the dangers is that we deal with the disappointment by killing the prophets. Hey, listen. If I wanted to kill the hope and encouragement and edification and building up of this local body, I would kill the prophetic voice. I would kill the prophets just like Jezebel did, right? I would go out, and I'm, I don't believe there's a Jezebel spirit, just to be clear, but you would kill the prophets. You would actually start to despise prophecy. You know, the Apostle Paul says that I, you know, I, I wish you would prophesy more than anything. And despise not prophecy. Like directly after telling us about love, he says, but actually I'd love you to pursue the gift of prophecy. Pursue the spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. Right? So pursue the spiritual gifts, especially you would prophesy. And I don't mean prophesy like speaking truth to power. That's not what I'm talking about. We're going to let other people do that. But I'm talking about like, let's speak encouragement to the body. Let's speak encouragement. When you're going to Jewel, and I still call it Jewel, even though we don't have Jewel in, in California. I'm like, I'm going to Jewel. And it's just like, it's called Vaughn's here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for being right. <laughs> So, you know, if you're going to Jewel and you know that people are just cast down, disaffected, isolated, lonely, hurting, prophesy. Prophesy. And I'm not talking about, you know, when we came through that whole phase for 30, 40 years when the prophet came in and everybody was repenting of their sins for a week and fasting for, maybe that's why you're fasting for a week is just to make sure no one's pointing out your sin. You know, that's, that's the old, that's, that's not prophecy, right? That's, prophecy is about, to, is like not seeing people according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
we're actually forbidden from doing that. We're not allowed to, listen, we're not allowed to relate to people according to their history and, and our lives. Ow. There's no right. I know it's heaven. It's a different system, right? So we get, we get to relate to people and see people according to how God sees them, not how we have experienced them. This is, this is the, these are the rules. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And, and unfortunately, what you get is you get people, I want real prophecy. It has to be real prophecy. It has to be like dates and times and accurate the whole time and all that. That's despising prophecy. Like sometimes I think, sometimes I think if we, if the church dealt with people, the, if, if the church dealt with babies, the way we deal with our people, we'd all be in wheelchairs. Let me explain. We have, we have three children. One of them is here with us today. And when all three of our children started to walk, they were terrible. They were just ter- any uh, Parents, any parents. Like anybody have a k- kid get up and say, I'm going to walk today. Here we go. <laughs> I'm walking. No, they would try, they'd get up, they'd take a few steps, they'd fall down, they'd be like, maybe even hurt themselves and they'd cry. And you'd be like, you know what? That's too dangerous. We're going to create a safe space in here. We're going to create a safe space where you never have to worry about falling on your butt again. Hallelujah. And then when it would have a light, I mean, honestly, the wheelchair industry would be amazing. You would have these wheelchairs that do all sorts of things. And because we have stopped people from falling down because they weren't very good at something at the very start. Like, let's, let's be on this together. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite scriptures is from the Apostle Paul. So I think, I think a lot of things, again. If you're to suffer like him, Scripture says, if you're to suffer like him, then you should learn to think like him. Not learn to behave like him. It's not like, what would Jesus do? It's what would Jesus think? What would Jesus think about this? Like, what would Jesus think about the cross? Awesome. Wish it didn't have to happen, but it's for the joy that's set before me that I will endure this. Right, this is what he would think about it. When troubles come, what would he think about it? Hey, in this world, you're going to have troubles, but listen, don't be, don't be, don't be dismayed because I've overcome. <laughs> right? It's not that you're going to avoid things. No, there's bad things are going to happen. And I'm not prophesying that. I'm just like telling you as a human being, one human being to another, that in this world, you will have trouble. But don't let it like tear you down. Don't let it ruin everything because he has overcome. I, I love the fact, I love the fact, we, our ministry is called Building Contenders because, you know, rah. Um, and, and part of it is, part of it is that there's, hmm, part of it is that we're called to be victorious. I don't know if you know that, but we win. Has nobody told you that? Has nobody read the end of the book to you? We win. Like, there's no ifs, ands, buts, or anything like that. Like, it was actually the victory was secured 2000 and whatever years ago. The victory was completely secured. We've, we, it's not that we win, but we've won. 
So we just need to make sure that the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And we don't do that by behaving like them. It's really that simple that the, the, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I remember that old school, right? In the, like, it's not righteousness in and of ourselves. Thank God. No matter how much I gesture at things or signal at me being so amazing and better than you, it's not my righteousness, it's his righteousness. It's not my peace, right? Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Like this is not the peace, this is, <laughs> this is the peace that sleeps during a storm. It's not the power to rebuke the storm. It's the peace to sleep in the storm. That's the peace of Jesus. And I'm not saying there's not power to rebuke the storm, but that's not really the goal. The goal is to be asleep in the middle of the storm. My peace I give to you. And it's not our joy, right? It's the joy of the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Ghost. I don't have to work things up. I love the fact that it's the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's not my joy. I can actually tap into something and this is what we get to do. We get to wage war with these things, which is like, hey, peace. And we're in SoCal, so, you know, we can do that. We can go like, no worries. <laughs> Sorry. But here's, here's, one, here's, one of the things, here's one of the things I love that the Apostle Paul wrote. And I'm reading from the New English Translation. Sorry, I didn't give you this earlier, but because it just came to me. Not that I've already attained this. That is, I have not already been perfected, but I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. Instead, I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead forgetting the things that are behind. It's not that we're going to, I don't know how to do it properly, but <clears throat> I can't live in response to what the enemy has done. I have to forget the things that lay behind and actually press on. And as you guys are transitioning, as you guys, as, as Oasis Church is actually moving into a season of transition, Here's the, here's the thing. I don't know if you know this, but you should always be in a season of transition. It's called growth. Not in diapers anymore. I grew out of them. Pretty recently, but you know. <laughs> Praise God, yeah. Right? We grow. We change. We, we're adapting. Like, I would, you know, we, we'd always get the little curmudgeons, you know. I know this church doesn't have any, but we uh, would always get the odd curmudgeon. Help him, Jesus. Tell me what's a curmudgeon. And we would always get people like saying, you know what, I'm, I am fed up with you talking about breakthrough. Like, can we just break through and be done with it? <laughs> like, well, we can if we're prepared to be stuck. Because do you know what you need with the minute you get a breakthrough? Another breakthrough. That's if we're going from glory to glory with increasing glory. If we're staying where we're at, then we don't need another breakthrough. And that's why we actually have to learn how to contend for the things that God has spoken of our lives and not just say, well, God spoke it, it'll happen. No, it won't. 
happened once, right? So there's, there's a couple in Scripture, and they were prophesied. There was a man in Scripture, and he was prophesied over that he would, you know, inherit the nations, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars and the sand and all that. And then there's Mary, and Mary has this angel come to visit and say, hey, you know, you're going to be pregnant, and he's going to be Jesus, and it's going to be amazing. Paraphrase. That's called the NIV version, just in case you're worried. <laughs> That's the Northern Ireland version. Um, so, you know, he's, that Mary comes, and that actually requires nothing from Mary. Abraham and Sarah, however, they had to, I don't know how to put it. They had to, um, So when a man and woman want a <laughs> when a man and woman want to want to have a child together, they have to like you know. If you don't know, then please ask uh, one of the pastoral staff and <laughs> maybe connect with your parents at some other level. And <laughs> so when a man and woman want to have a child, they they had to do something. Like, part of it is like, God, you prophesied. Yeah, you needed to do something. Like, honestly, you've no idea many times. Like, I help, like, itinerants and apostles, prophets, even entrepreneurs and all that. And I hear it all the time. Like, God, God told me I, would do, I was to write a book. Hallelujah. And I spent three years of my life, and I wrote this book, and it sold seven copies. And the real thing is that people get disappointed. And they get disappointed because they've never been taught that God did not write your book, right? You had to write your book. God is not going to market and sell your book. You need to market and sell your book. It's real simple. That's part of actually the, the process of making an impact is you have to market and sell your book. Oh, I feel very uncomfortable doing that. Awesome. God's not going to do it for you. Hey, God, I'm very uncomfortable doing this. Would you do it? No, that's not how this works. So forgetting what's behind, right? Forgetting the, this thing that's behind. I want to read some scriptures from Exodus. The first one's from, from the book of Exodus, which I think I did tell you about. You got to deal with disappointment, right? We got to deal with this disappointment. This is from Exodus 14. Where do we start? Verse 8. That's awesome. That's super helpful for me. But the Lord, and again, this is from the New English translation. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the Israelites. Now the Israelites were going out defiantly. The Egyptians chased after them, and all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and the army overtook them, camping by the sea beside this Hebrew place, uh, before this other Hebrew place. Uh, when Pharaoh got closer, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them and they were terrified. The Israelites cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt? These are the curmudgeons. Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the desert? What in the world have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we can serve the Egyptians because it is better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. 
And Moses said to the people, do not fear, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord that he will provide for you today. For the Egyptians that you see today, you will never ever see again. And the Lord will fight for you and you can be still. And this is how the Lord fought for them. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? In other words, what are you asking me for? Do something. Why are you crying out for me? Like, here's the thing. I know this and JP will be mortified, I'm sure. I know that there is no one who has more interrupted sleep over this church than JP. I know that there is nobody that is praying for your success and salvation, your wholeness, more than JP. And I know that not because I know him so well, but because I know that's what senior leaders do. There is something about honoring the leader in your congregation that will bring breakthrough in your own life and in the life of your community. I know we don't like that. I know, I know we don't like it. We prefer to tell our leaders all their problems and all the things they're doing wrong. There's something about honoring the king or the president, even when you don't like them, that, that is essential to your breakthrough. And I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're a demon God king who erects a statue of himself and says, you're not allowed to pray to your God. You have to bow before me. I, I'm, I, as far as I can tell, we've had nobody like that just yet. Right? There's something about honoring the person that God has actually placed in position over you or serve whatever way you want it, whatever you're comfortable with. There's something about honoring the point that's essential for your breakthrough because this is what Moses is doing right here. And I know it's countercultural, but that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be mimicking people out there. And then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. And as for you, lift up your staff and extend your hand towards the sea and divide it so the Israelites may go through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And as for me, I am going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians. Awesome, thanks God. I'm going to harden the heart of the Egyptians so that they will come after them. Fantastic, we're really setting this up as a story that I may be honored because of Pharaoh and his army and his chariots and his horsemen and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I have gained my honor because of Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of God who was going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them and it came between the Egyptian camp and the Israelite camp and it was a dark cloud. Uh, so, you no, know, no, don't rabbit trail. And it lit up the night so that one camp did not come near the other the whole night. And Moses stretched out his hand towards the sea and the Lord drove the sea apart by a strong east wind all that night. You see, here's how this, here's how this escape from, from Egypt happened. Like they're crossing, they are, I mean, if you look at it in, the, in Google Maps, you'll see that they have nowhere to go. They're in between a rock and a hard place. There is nowhere else for them to go. And here they are that, that this, I mean, I've watched the movie and it's like, and the sea opens 
And that's not what happens. They have the enemy breathing down their neck for what probably seems like an eternity. And it's dark. And of course, all the Christians are like, dark, it's the enemy. No, it's the presence of God. This darkness that is there, and I'm not talking about sickness and calamity, but sometimes you need to get your knower switched on a little bit. You need to get your discernment switched on a little bit because sometimes God is right there in the midst of the cloud. And what, what happens is that Moses goes out and all night is contending for breakthrough. All night, he's got his staff up contending for breakthrough. And you see this again in Moses' life where his arms are held up and he's contending for breakthrough, right? He is actually contending for the life of the nation of Israel. And God has said, and I'm going to make it even harder for you. Fantastic. <laughs> Yay. Like, I'm going to make sure that these guys really hate you and are really coming after you and really breathing down your neck so that I, they'll know that I'm God. And instead of God just parting it, he actually called his man, this man of God of the time, to contend for this and say, I need you to do this, Moses. Why did he do that? Who knows? All I know is God does as he pleases. That's all I know. It doesn't make sense to me why he needs me or angels or anything like that. Maybe he doesn't need me. Maybe it's just that he enjoys it. He enjoys the drama. So here we are, Moses contending. This is how the nation of Israel break through. And of course, they go over and they sing songs about the horse and the rider falling into the sea. And this is fantastic, right? And then... Then they go, and a few days later, Moses makes a really bad decision, which is to do things by vote. Right? He makes this decision, we're going to vote on this. Out of the 12 of you, how many people think we should move into the, the promised land? Ten of them say no. Two of them say yay. The ten have it. It's interesting that whenever Joshua did that later on, he sent two people in. He decided not to do the vote thing again. Never underestimate the power of stupid people who gather in groups and talk amongst each other and stir up fear and stir up despair and stir up all this sort of like evil stuff. Never underestimate the power of doing that. And, and that's not how God did it. God did it by putting one man in front and saying, I want you to clear a way for a breakthrough. I don't know if it was Moses' idea to say, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna be representative of the people. We're gonna take one person from each tribe and we're gonna send them in and we're gonna have a vote on it. No indication really that that was God. But Moses did it. So you'd think that was great. 40 years later, the only people, the only two people, listen. We go a little bit longer. So I'm fed up with Christians having a wilderness season. All right? 
I'm fed up with a wilderness season. You, you don't know who you are. Well, I'm in a really dry spell. What? What do you mean you're in a really dry spell? Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Is that not true anymore? Because you're like grumpy? Or you're a wee bit down in the dumps? Or she doesn't want to go out with you anymore? Or whatever it is. Like, are you just... Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. I am not called to go into a wilderness season. The purpose of the wilderness was to kill off an entire generation. Unless you're saying I'm in a wilderness season before God kills me off. It's just we haven't learned how to contend for things. We haven't learned to fight for the promises of God over our lives. And we think that because he did it this way before that he's gonna do it this way again. That's not what happens. Let's look at Joshua 3. And in Joshua 3, here we have this other transition. They're transitioning from slavery into, it should have been the promised land, but it wasn't. And, and so they ended up being in this wilderness for 40 years so that God could wipe out all of them. To be clear, that's what was going on. Need to wipe them all out because they're all in rebellion. None of them are actually gonna see the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb. And here you have Joshua right right there, Joshua chapter three, bright and early the next morning, Joshua and the Israelites left that Hebrew place, which doesn't work out well when I say it, and came to the Jordan. They camped there before crossing the river. And after three days, the leaders went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, you must leave here and walk behind it, but stay about 3,000 feet behind it. Keep your distance so you can see which way you should go, for you have not traveled this way before. The word of the Lord is you have not traveled this way before. And just because you got a breakthrough in another season and just because it looked like that in another season, it is not gonna look like that in this season. It's not that easy anymore. It's not that easy that the man of God standing up, lifting up his staff and every, the water's parting and saying, okay, let's go. It's not like that anymore, that what's required in this season of shift. I used to have a t-shirt that says, get your shift together. Right In this season of transition and shift, then what's required is different than what was required before. That the old ways aren't gonna be the new ways, that we are going to be a mighty people of God and Oasis Church is gonna be a beacon, a beacon of the prophetic nature of Yahweh. Like calling people not to self-righteousness, but to His righteousness. Calling people not not to, you know, the peace that the world gives when everything's okay and you've got your AK-47s. And it's not that peace. It's the peace that surpasses all understanding. Right? It, and, and the joy, and it is the joy of the Lord. And, and you know, you know, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What was the joy? I think the joy was actually each one of us, but I also think it was the overthrowing of the kingdom of, of the kingdoms of this world. So the transition looks different, and this is what this is what happens. Joshua told the people, ritually consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will perform miraculous deeds among you. 
I, I, yeah, miracles, God, I just release a, a heart for miracles, signs and wonders in this body, like a hunger for them to see miracles, signs, to, to see the displacement of sickness for the will of God, the displacement of poverty for heaven's will on earth. Joshua told the priests, pick up the Ark of the Covenant, pass on ahead of the people. So they picked up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, this very day, I will begin to honor you before Israel. See, honor, 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 honor. So they will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Instruct the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the bank of the Jordan River, weigh it into the water. And Joshua told the Israelites, come here and listen to the word of the Lord your God. Here's the difference in a transition when you're growing up. Some, like when, when you're a child, you do childish things. You believe as a child and God stands there and says, okay, here's the way. There is a time when you have to actually not be a child and, and you grow up. And that means you have to stand in the water. before the water clears. You have to move by faith. Before the water's clearing, even when people are looking at you going, nut job. You're a nut job. Why are you doing that? You're standing in there with the weight of this, with the weight of the ark. Your people are coming. They can see what you're doing. They can actually see. There's, There's a city that will see what you're doing because you're believing God for his word, not based on what he has done before, but what he has promised for the future. And you, and you have to stand there and hope that you heard right. And, and hope that the water is gonna clear. And all you're gonna feel in the middle of that is the water rushing past you going, oh Lord, what, what, whatever, whatever went before. Because the transition in this season for you will not look like the transition in the previous season. Because this one requires, I'm hesitant to say this for all the reformed people that might be in the room. This one requires more of you than you probably believe it needs to. Does that make sense? This requires the people that are gonna wade into the water even though the water hasn't parted yet. Believing that the water will part. And even then, even though God shows through miracles, signs, wonders, all these things, even then Joshua had to go on and fight another, whatever, 10 battles to make sure the land was his. And that means those people are gonna need to remember what God has said. That's that's why they went and got the stones and brought them out. It's because they needed to remember that God was the God of his people. You also have to get over this sort of false humility thing. That, you know, hey, we we know that you're not the only people. You kind of believe that you are. And I don't mean in any arrogant way, but not sort of waiting on someone else to do it. This is it. Again, look at each other. A little bit more depressing after all that. Let's stand.
So I'm a little vineyard guy and in the vineyard we used to tell people to put their hands out because you can't receive with a clenched fist, right? So we just asked people to stand and put their hands out just to close their eyes, just to, just to receive, right? And of course we receive by faith, right? We're not receiving because I'm that awesome. We're receiving just by faith. So Holy Spirit, we just love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love you. You've called us. You've set us apart. And you've appointed us for a time such as this. That we were not a mistake. That we've been called to be part of this body. And God, we resist every, every accusation and every attempt from the enemy to try and get us to walk away. That the great lies in Corinthians 12 is that I'm not needed and I don't need you. The Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would start reigniting the passion of when we first fell in love with you. And the things that you did then do again. More of your love, more of your power. And God, that we would be known, that Oasis Church would be known as a people of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And that we will never live in response or reaction to what the enemy is doing, but we will know what heaven is doing. And heaven is preparing Chicago. <laughs> to be a breakthrough city just as it was in the past, when people came here to look for freedom, God, I pray that they would find freedom, not in any political structure, but in your people, in your people. And that your church would once again be the hope of the world. Jesus' name. Now, Lord, bless us, keep us, make your face shine upon us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.